The MTG Untapped Podcast is now brought to you by... Insert potentially your product here. What up, everybody? Welcome to the season premiere of the MTG Untapped Podcast. I am your host. I am the Micah, and joining me as always, he is my friend and yours. He is Costa. How are you, my friend, on this fine episode 53? Uh, cold after just coming back from a cold road trip and here we are at 20 something degree weather I, I, whenever I said oh it's going to get cold and you're like don't talk to me about the cold <laughs> you merely adopted the cold I was born in it molded by, I'm just kidding a uh, dark night rises joke there no, yeah, that's what you told me yesterday you're like, man don't talk to me about cold we, it's just we, funny that because I just left I just left some for, for those of you who didn't know I had a drive my car down from uh boston i'm sorry boston from oregon sorry i'm actually flying to boston this week uh but uh anyways i'm uh i drove it down from uh, portland oregon so a 32 hour drive split it five days with my wife and uh, we stopped by in bryce canyon which is south utah um that was cold that was real cold so um, and then like, and then I'm going to Boston, which is going to be even colder. It's going to be like five degrees over there. I was like, Oh, so actually it was like, I think it was like five degrees when we were at Bryce. So I, I mean, the thing with Boston, for those of y'all who like have never been there when you're in the city and you get into the, the like the wind tunnels, it it's like nothing you've ever felt before. It sucks. So I don't even want to experience it. <laughs> All right. Let's get into this week's phase in and we are recording this on Thursday, the 20th. So yesterday on the 19th, they decided to announce in this little cool trailer thing, the name for the new Lord of the Rings TV show on Amazon prime. So it is no longer hashtag L O T R on prime It is now the Lord of the Rings. The Rings of Power. And uh, the little trailer they did uh, makes it look like, oh, they, they even put this weird, like, in the, like, the tweets underneath it. Like, here's a visual description, and it's like, in these canyons, you see a mist, and then throughout the bottom of the canyon, you see molten whatever flowing through. And then as it cuts out, you notice it's actually wood, and then it's like molten metal. But either way, yeah, so I'm like, forging like metallic letters in uh wood that the they form the name of the show so lord of the rings the rings of power and it's really um awesome so <laughs> like everyone's like oh this looks some people were saying oh this looks so fake but it was done entirely practical like they have a ign has a video of like about like 35 40 seconds of them actually recording it and you see like the guys being very careful like working with the metal and there's like one part where they um pour water on not directly because like, they like pour water on the glass and then it flows down to like cool the molten hot whatever they were using tin maybe i don't know what it probably wasn't steel that's probably just much too hard to work with. no it's like elven elven metal or something you know some it's mithril, mithril. there we go yeah um but uh yeah and so it's it was like one of the like coolest things like they didn't show anything they just announced the name of the show but like the whole like little trailer thing got me so hyped like this is like this obi-wan or like my 
most hype things, especially shows for the year. But yeah, I'm really just. So what do you think uh, about the name Rings of Power? Yeah, it's cool. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit before that um, I've only played the first. Um, I think it's like Shadows of Mordor, um, where it kind of talks about or like the game is kind of about the, um, the elf who made the, the Rings of Power. Gelabrimbor. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, you, you're, you're much more <laughs> in depth with this stuff, but anyways. Um, and so the game was really cool. And, uh, we kind of talked about this too, that you don't think it'll be part of Canon. I, I would like some of it to be like, just like maybe a nod to it, but it's okay if it isn't. Um, so yeah, the, the name's really cool. Um, I'm pretty excited. I do like Lord of the Rings. My wife really likes Lord of the Rings. We didn't care for the Hobbit series as much. Um, I felt like it was a little bit slower, uh it's funny kind of reminds me a little bit of how like star wars was like the original three are great and then they prequeled it and it wasn't so great um you know for a lot of people i i'll all right so for me like the the lord of the rings peter jackson's lord of the rings movies are just like probably the best movies ever made (laughs) yeah um there's there's very like the extended edition like three movies that combined a total over like 12 hours they're they're highly worth it. Uh, I really liked the first uh, Hobbit movie. I just thought it was fun. And it's like, it was enjoyable being back into the world of middle earth. Hmm. And then the second one I thought was really, 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 really good. Yeah. Desolation of smog. I really liked it. I'm a big fan of Bandit Cumberbatch. I thought smog was really cool. And the whole like journey, getting back to the Mount uh, Erebor was really good. And then battle of the five armies wow it's like because like what's the thing that like sticks out in your mind like the visual achievements of the lord of the rings movies like the battle of pelinor fields mm-hmm. and return of the king that was incredible like just like all those orcs they made it look so real right and then when, when the rohirrim gets there and then like like i'll i'll to this day if i uh don't feel like watching the entire movie i'll go on youtube and just like look at that scene because i think it's like it gets me hyped, man. It's like, yeah, I failed it. Let's go. Right. Um, and then you see Battle of the Five Armies. It's the most CGI thing you've ever seen in your life. It's like, we're going to flank them. And the dwarves are like going. I actually rewatched it not too long ago because I watched all Lord of the Rings extended editions. And I want to watch the Hobbit mm-hmm. um, extended editions. And I don't remember hating it. I didn't hate it as much as the f- first time I watched it in theaters. But man, it's like the payoff just wasn't there. Like as a whole, the trilogy just wasn't close to Lord of the Rings. But I mean, that's where I sit on it. Like I don't hate it. I just, I just, you know, it's not. I can rewatch it. Like if it's on, like if it's on TV or whatever, and, and like I just want something in the background. Like it's fine, right? But as a oh, sit down and get engaged. Even though I've seen this movie a hundred times, like it just wasn't that for me. So hoping this comes out really good. Um, Looking forward to it. So, like I said, I'm you know me. I'm not a I'm not a technical person as far as like I can't tell you names all the time and, and whatnot. But I know the idea and I like the idea of it. So, all right, I want to look this up. When was Lord of the Rings on Prime announced? Because like the running joke with like magic and like universes beyond, it's like cool. You're gonna they're gonna interact with an IP that's uh like 10 years after it's relevant. Mm. But the Lord of the Rings set comes out next year. Yeah. Some people were talking like, did they, 
uh, how, uh, so second season was ordered in 2019. Oh, yeah, so they definitely would have done that because, yeah, okay, never Because, like, how much Ford Notice did uh, Watsy have on the Lord of the Rings show? But they had Ford Notice or they got lucky, and this works out either way for them, right? So, yeah, definitely what you said, though. They sometimes are a little behind the trend. Um, <laughs> it's just because it takes, you know, several years to make a set. So it's not entirely their fault. Uh, and it's kind of good, right? You don't want them to. Uh, you know, to start throwing in cards and not like, I mean, people think that's what they do, but honestly, I, I, they, I think they could have let the game go way out of hand with mechanics and stuff. So the fact that it takes two years, like I'm fine with that. So. All right. I'll do it for this week's phase in on to the untapped step. We're talking about magic that we played over the past week and Costa. What have you been playing? You've been jamming more arena cube. <laughs> Uh, yes, and at the time of this, the release of this recording, it will no longer be there. So I am, uh, I'm definitely trying to cram it in. Obviously, you just watched me draft a. I think it's a pretty sick uh, red black sacrifice deck. So I gotta. Okay. You, you want to tell you want to tell them uh, how awesome the the draft went that I called my shot here. <laughs> yeah, you were you drafted some good cards. Like you like start like B- Bone Crusher mm-hmm. and Giant, and then. Uh, you had the battle cry goblin. Mm-hmm. Then eventually you were like, because you wanted to do something more aggro. Because every time I've seen you draft this, you're like, okay, I'm now doing this crazy blue X. Um, recast my super expensive spells from the graveyard and demoralize my opponent. Um, and then you're like, I just want to bash in the remembrance. It's like, and you're like, I think a Yogmoth would be cool. And then you like. Was it consecutive picks or like you got the Ogmoth and then the Bash? So what happened? So what happened was, like I said, I was already on that track of like I want to do the the red black sacrifice, but like you said, I had like the fallback plan of being really aggressive. And then in the end of pack two, I got Yogmoth, and I was like, oh, this is a good. No, no, sorry, it was the beginning of pack three. It was like the third. It was the third pick of pack three. Third pick of pack three, you're right. Yeah, and I said this is a good sign, but I was like, oh, maybe just like three players down they weren't playing it, and then. next pack no and the pack after that was bastion into what's the other key card i know you got judith first now is when you're like okay cool maybe it was judith yeah yeah. judith Judith and luris in pack two yeah 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 yeah. that's right so you're better about you're collecting that but basically i called them shots man (laughs) i was super happy he did not do what I wanted him to do, which is make a straight up luris deck that somehow also splashed for cruel reality and overwhelming splendor um that might be not very synergistic but (laughs) and it's not that hard of a splash since luris also has white in it but for what i was doing all these mega black pips like just it wasn't gonna happen so i know but here my thing was like run a luris deck that also has two seven mana enchantments yeah so it's not actually a luris deck no it's just uh, you wouldn't be able to use as your anyway it's a deck with luris in it for no reason (laughs) i feel like i can confess to you that i was just trying to be funny Nothing. Oh, um, and so, uh, me, were you still playing with me when when my opponent was at two, and you questioned me why? Why are you doing oh, this now? <laughs> I forgot. All right, we we wa- I watched him jam a couple games before we started recording today, and there was a situation where um, you had Skyclave, Shade, and uh, Rankle, and your opponent just cast uh, tapped out to cast the Leer. Yeah, liar. Uh, 
And so we alpha strike. They were at four life and I bastion. They were at four life. No, well, they were like, should they, they should just chump it because they're going to lose their creature anyway. And then they didn't. So they took eight and it went down to four. Mm. And, uh, and no, so no, then, no, because the creature died. Remember, the creature they it, they did trade. They're at four life. They traded Rankle. No, because they, they did not trade. Because you, uh, we said that they should. They did not block. And then you, because you chose that each player sacrifices a creature mode. And then I said you should also pick the draw card because that would re- reduce them to three. Because I, I had forgotten about. We, I think we had both forgotten about the Bastion trigger. No, no, no. Are, are you sure? Because I am the, the wrinkle hit, and then they traded with the 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 Lear traded with the Shade. They I'm I made positive. them draw a card, lose a life, and then the Bastion trigger, which put them at two, which was exactly enough for the. Uh, I know I, I'm not disputing, but I'm, I swear to you that they did not block the Skyclave Shade because I I know you you pick you like you picked hmm. the each player sacrifices creature, and then I was like. I think you should also pick the draw card because in my mind, when we were, I, I just forgot about the Bastion or Remembrance trigger. That is like, then they were just dead to rankle if they don't deal with it in the air. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, right. I mean, then, then they, I, then that, uh, thing happened. And for some reason, I thought there were three because I forgot about the Bastion or Remembrance trigger. And then you started a Devil's Play them for two. No, it was Play with Fire. Play and you play with Fire them for two. And I was like, wait, why are you doing this now? And then you're like, wait, are you, are you messing with me? <laughs> and I was like, oh, they're at two. I was like, how'd they get to two? I was like, you're like Bastion Remembrance. I was like, oh, yeah. No, I remember the Bastion. I forgot about the freaking Rankle. Rankle. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. And then, then I was like, because like, uh, it took a damage. So I was like, oh, yeah, I pointed that out earlier. All that. But okay. Um, For me, uh, I actually streamed some magic together over on my Twitch, twitch.tv slash the Micah 21. Uh, I uploaded the VOD to the Untapped Studios YouTube channel. If you want to check that out. Um, sadly, I'm also an idiot. And I did the whole stream with my desktop audio muted on OBS. Yeah. Uh, I did not notice until uh, I was 35 minutes into the game I was playing on Monday, which is uh, The Legend of Heroes Trails from Zero. I'm having a great time with that one. Um you can find those VODs on my personal YouTube channel. Just the Micah. Um, finish my Tales of Arise play. The entire thing is on my YouTube. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I played the entire uh, session of like Magic uh, on Arena without any audio. Even though I put... Because I normally play without any... I, I, just, I don't care for the Arena audio. So I just turn it off. But I was like, all right, it'll be good for like the stream and the VOD or what, video or whatever. So I turned the audio up and apparently it was just for me because I forgot to turn it up on OBS. But um, that was fun. Uh, I jam. I finished my dailies pl- jamming some mono green stompy. The next been really fun. Uh, I love Uvenwald Oddity. So such a cool card. Uh, and then I was like, all right, let's try and brew something. A uh, friend of the podcast, Trey, was hanging out for a little bit. He helped me brew a... Uh, because my thing is, I want to do something with a uh, Reckless Stormseeker, uh, and uh, also known as the card that's still a dollar, and uh, Halana and Elena partners. Just like giving things haste and then putting counters on things seems like it'd be really cool. And um, I mean, I credit this to Trey, so it is he does get the credit for it. But I was like, what could we do? What could we do? And eventually, I made a, a Goblins deck. 
the splash green for Halana and Elena, and Reckless Stormseeker, the honorary goblin. And I was like, we're going to play this till we get a win. And it took entirely too long. It took like six games before we got a win with that deck. It wasn't very good. And then I was like, what else could we do? And there was an idea. Uh, I, I, when I was doing that, we played against a, uh, a teamer deck. It was running ramp. And I was like, oh, are they like ramping in a coma? And it was. It was like a weird like teamer control deck that had like coma as a win con. And I was like, what if we played coma with Halana and Elena? They gave like all the little... Uh, tentacle snake serpent things haste and then puts counters on things and reckless storm so that's then we ended up brewing that deck on stream too and it was just like team i guess call it team or coma we ran all ramp spells and then so like prosperous innkeeper tangle floor hedron magda uh seize the spoils to make treasures and then uh reckless storm seeker halana and elena coma and a single copy of Alrun's epiphany for uh, consistency um really brings the deck together <laughs> isn't it crazy to think though that we have an uncounterable what is it a six six or seven seven six 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 that makes a three three every upkeep and is not seen playing standard that's just still what are you talking about i just told you i was playing it yes but on the ladder uh it's not, it's <laughs> on... not, it's not a top tier meta deck no, no i don't even deck. care about the deck i'm just talking about the card like like no one like i don't see it on the ladder the card is not a part of a, any top tier meta deck. that's what i'm saying it's so, crazy to me it's just not mm-hmm. seeing that it's nuts because i like the top two decks to standard right now are mono white aggro and mono green stompy is there any technical difference between a quote-unquote stompy deck and an aggro deck uh stompy i think is bigger right i just think of like it's like it's it's on a curve right um and you're curving up to big creatures versus uh aggro is i mean it can have some of that but it's more about like deploying low and getting in there yeah like aggro is more um i'm killing you as fast as i can stompy it would be more all right if you don't interact with me you're gonna just die Mm. but it won't be as fast as that. Okay, I get that. Yeah, that makes more sense to me. There's no, one, there's no good really reanimator cards in standard, right? Like, uh, like, and I mean, there's nothing as fish uh, to me. I think one of the best reanimator cards aside from reanimate is, um, and of course, now I'm going to forget it, but the one that flashes back from with uh, a white from Ixalan. Oh, from yeah. Oh, uh, I can't remember the name. I'm drawing a blank, but because I would like what I would like to do is have coma and toxel in the same deck and have this like upkeep trick every upkeep trigger creature reanimator thing <laughs> just because right. here if we if we get through today's main topic we'll we'll i'll we'll brew this and uh see how it goes and i'll i'll we can either play it on like my stream or whatever and we'll upload it to untap studios or we'll we'll take a gander as I, 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 now I really <laughs> like that idea <laughs> all right i'm seeing Oh, there's people are reanimating things with the new Olivia. Well, yeah, okay, that's that's one way yeah, to do it. Actually, six mana <laughs> to get ahead on your seven mana spells to save a mana. All right, there's this one from November thirtieth. It says reanimator and standard standard slug rights with tox rule. Uh oh, diagraph rebirth. That's right. Mm-hmm. It costs one less for each creature that died this turn. We'll take a little gander. We'll take a little gander. All right. I really want to brew this deck with you now. I'm like super interested. This is hilarious. That's hilarious to me. All right. 
All right, so yeah, check out the my Twitch, twitch.tv slash the Mikey21. Uh, check out Untapped Studios on YouTube. And you might be seeing some sweet coma talks, real shenanigans coming your way pretty soon. Oh, yeah. But let's get into today's main topic. And Costa, you came up with today's main topic. So why don't you share it with the people? Sure. So I've been listening to other podcasts and other people. Sometimes I listen to the Command Zone and uh, <clears throat> listen to a couple of episodes on the road <laughs> from that very long road trip. And they brought up a lot about you know, Joel Lotus being a huge mistake and Arcane Signet. And so it got me thinking about just reviewing um, the cards that Wizards has made specifically for Commander and, you know, just revisiting, seeing if we think there are still mistakes, um, our interactions with them. And so I have a, a list of some cards. We looked at it together too. So we have some cards, we have some group of cards um so yeah let's jump in and, and let's talk about these these cards and and what we think their impact has been on commander so the first one is the obvious one it's dual lotus um i can't remember at the beginning I, I, let's put it this way i remember both of us being on the we don't care that it's being printed in commander because it's commander um right is that somewhere around where you were at with it originally micah i don't remember remember thinking it was going to be a problem right i think i was there too i'm pretty sure were we recording then yeah yeah we have a record we have a recorded Uh, yeah someone someone go back to the early episodes of the mtg on tent podcast let me know what i said about it um yeah i don't recall everything it was gonna be a problem i was like yeah occasionally you'll i remember thinking it's just gonna be a bad it's a bad late game draw Mm -hmm. being like maybe whatever yeah, eventually get your commander out faster. But it's just like one of those things that scales with the whatever level your commander deck is. I think I also remember being on the on board with saying actually it would be good for commanders that aren't as popular or as sorry as powerful because it accelerates into those commanders and okay, you get it out and it's not very strong. You know, your opponents aren't going to want to interact with it, but you get to do your game plan, um, which <clears throat> now if we fast forward. Um, that applies and yes it also applies to the commanders that are broken but um i'm i am of the opinion that if you're already playing a broken commander then making it faster doesn't matter at that point like if if the commander is a is a card that people just don't like to play against like turgrid is a great example right turgrid it doesn't matter if you jewel lotus it on turn one because is it a five drop or four drop it's a four five 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 okay so you jewel lotus it on turn two or play it out on turn two with Jolotos. I mean, what's the difference between that and having, you know, soul, soul ring, mana crypts, you know, get on turn three and then going off. Like it's one turn early. I mean, it, I just, and at that point, no one wants to play against that card. So um, kind of a funny point that you just brought up though, about the, it's a bad late game draw. It actually turns out that that card is actually still not bad late game because it's commander tax, which is. Right, what if your commander's just still around and it's like, I, yeah, yes, not, I get that, but I think, I think in most cases, I think in most cases, it's 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 still not a bad draw. I, I, let's put it this way: I think the in one case is not a bad draw, but I think a lot. Okay, let's put it this way: in my experience, people go after commanders mm-hmm. a lot, especially my commanders, and so for me, it's yeah, almost yeah. never it's never a late it's never a bad late draw. I'm like, oh, cool, I get to replay my commander. So, I would say in my experience has been it's been it's never been dead to me. I 
own a copy of Jewelers. It's currently in my uh, Marwin deck, mm-hmm. which is the most powerful deck that I have right now. And it's just like being able to like, all right, Jeweled Lotus, Marwin, Forest, Llanowar Elf, put a counter on Marwin. It's like, it's what the deck wants to do. It's like, I feel like people made a great point whenever, and I didn't have, hadn't thought about it until I heard it for the first time. That's like, like all the like fast mana, because that's what this will all come down to. And Jeweled Lotus isn't the last card that falls into this category that we're going to talk about today. That's like, it scales with your deck. So if like, if your deck's like degenerate, more fast mana just makes your deck even more degenerate. Mm-hmm. If you're using your jeweled lotus to cast your copy of, I was about to say Cody, but that's probably not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, no, it may be. I don't know, but not 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 the Cody deck that we made. What's well, like a like a just a hilarious fun commander? Oh, even even something like it doesn't have to be. Like my, I'll just say like like my Atali deck, but no, 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 no. <laughs> something like Geared. Geared, I think, is like in the middle commander it it can be powerful but at the end of the day it's a two five that comes in with a four four it's a strong card but it's not just it's not running away with the game right it's something that you got to play it a little bit quicker and you start getting to do your thing but a board wipe just ends your day in that deck i mean how many times have i had a, a board wipe in that so i have to put things like eldrazi monuments uh heroic intervention stuff like that like <clears throat> there's just yeah i like it like you just said the degenerate decks are already going to have the speed. And so you're adding a little bit extra speed, but the decks that don't have that speed, you're giving them a big push. Um, and actually, but, Oh, good. I was also going to say, it's like, I, I'd also mentioned to you whenever you uh, came to me with this topic that is it the main thing you were mentioned, talking about is jeweled Lotus. Cause it seemed like that's the card you want to talk about most mm-hmm. is that, I said, it was like, I haven't seen Jeweled Lotus played outside of a, at the very least, high-powered commander game. And, like, I watch a bunch of uh, EDH content. Um, the only other game I can remember where I saw Jeweled Lotus is, like, an episode of Commander Clash from the MG Goldfish dudes where, like, one guy went island, Jeweled Lotus cast what's the four mana blue creature with horsemanship whenever it draws a whenever it hits it draws a card oh, uh, is it like like it's, yuan shu or something like, from uh dynasty warriors <laughs> yeah dynasty warriors yeah it's like whatever because like that that would be one of the portal sets right for it says horsemanship mm-hmm. um they're fixed there's like less complicated version of flying but yeah uh and the that Next turn, guy plays planes, swords of plowshares. Right. And so it's like, even in like the like fairest of fair context, like Jewel Lotus isn't particularly a problem, but most people just like do the nature of like, if I'm building like a super fair deck, I'm not thinking Jewel Lotus. If I'm thinking, if I'm building a powerful deck, like, okay, Jewel Lotus. And in that, if it, although that's also assuming consistency among a very wide, diverse group of people way of thinking no i, I get you and, and and the point of this is again because we have billions of listeners already now but the, the point of this is to get people to think because because you have the shavers of the world that their mind just completely goes to everyone wants to abuse this card and it's not fun and you have people i feel like us who look at commander and say we can take these powerful cards and make fun decks out of them like honestly your cody deck 
We haven't got to play with it yet, so we don't know how degenerate it is. But just based on what you wanted to do with the deck, I feel like it's a powerful deck in the sense that it's going to do what it wants to do, but it's not powerful that you're trying to win on turn three and just not make the game fun, right? And so I'll give you another example. I had to pull up my chest of commander decks here. And a deck that I'm looking at, I'm going to show this to you, and obviously I'm going to tell everyone else. So <clears throat> this is my Bant Bleak deck with Rune of the Hidden Realm. Now let me just tell you how underwhelmingly non-powerful this card is so it's for those of you who don't know it's two green white blue so banned for a four four legendary rhino soldier with vigilance and trample you can pay two mana and tap it to exile another target creature return that card in the battlefield under its control under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step the reason why i say this is super underwhelming because it costs five mana for a four four and its ability requires it to tap so it needs to have haste if i want to actually use ability on that turn this is a card where Jewel Lotus is in here. It just allows me to play my deck a little bit quicker. And if someone wants to kill it early, that's fine. But the truth of the matter is I'm I'm getting value off of, I don't know, blinking, you know, some wood elves or whatever. Like the point is this, no matter how quick I really get this card out, it's never going to be busted. Now the cards in the deck can be busted, but the commander itself is not going to make it any more busted. And so getting this out on turn two, yeah, I have a four, four that can, you know, hit people, but in commander, that's, I mean, that's so irrelevant in terms of powerful things that can happen. So that's just like an example. The other example, of course, is my favorite one, Prosper Tonebound. Um, I don't think that needs any more introduction, but same thing. <clears throat> and play it on turn one. What am I really doing that's so broken? In fact, a lot of times I could exile some of my big stuff and then I can't play it. Like the best case scenario is I get to exile land, play it, make a treasure, start doing things. But at the end of the day, the deck is so dependent on what my opponents have that even then the card just isn't busted. It just plays to what the, the power of the tables are. <clears throat> and so for me, again, it just goes back to there are plenty of commanders um, that you can abuse, just playing cards that you can abuse to make those commanders strong. But at the end of the day, if you're just trying to have fun, you can, Jewel Lotus enables fun, I believe. I, I believe it enables you to, to do what you want to do, which is play your commander. I mean, we're playing commander for a reason, right? So um, <clears throat> that's my opinion on it. So anything else you want to add to the Jewel Lotus conversation? I'm just trying to wrap my head around how it's okay for your Prosper deck, but not my Atali. Because your Atali That's is a 6-6 six, six that that gets free spells from each other player. How, how is that hard? <laughs> you make free Lotus Petals. Whatever, dude. You're just a troll. <laughs> you know, you know damn well that that card is way more, it's way more oppressive. Lotus Petals played in CEDH. Yes, it is. Your point? So it's, so it's basic island. It's basic it's island. Next card is Lotus Petal. It's basically Jeweled Lotus. <laughs> but you can use it to cast any spell. The uh, Sorry. The, one more thing to add to it. At the end of the day, um, actually, anything you just want to add? Because then we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to give like, not a score, but we're just going to say yes or no. Was it a mistake? So, uh, well, this will just probably segue into that. My my ending thoughts on Jilled Lotus is as long as you know like the people you're playing with and like what deck you want to play, what deck everyone else is going to play, it should never actually be a problem. 
So we're going to go with no for Micah. I'm also in the camp of no, and I would just like to add that at the end of the day, in hindsight, Wizards, I felt like they knew what they were, you know, either they knew what they were doing or they really pushed the chips in because they knew it was going to be a cash cow. Whatever the reason is, the fact that it only casts your commander was a really nice safety valve at the end of the day to this card. Like they wanted to put a, a jewel or a, a black Lotus in, in commander for everyone to use. This is like the safest way I think they could have done it. I mean, it could have said like only use this one time, can't recur it, whatever. I mean, they could have even made it safer, but I'm saying realistically to play with it and have fun with the card, it was a good safety valve. Like a black Lotus that exiles itself when you sack it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I just feel like you know, everything needs to be taken in context. And as long as you recognize that context, then you'll be okay. Correct. I also agree with that. So if you have some toxic people, or people just can't get their heads over busting things, then maybe you should talk to them about not making everything so busted. But I digress. <clears throat> so the next card, we're going to talk about Arcane Signet. So this one's also been a hot topic because this card um, is a two-mana mana rock, which uh, the guys at Goldfish have talked extensively about, that there are just too many two-mana mana rocks, which... I guess that was further down the list. I kind of ruined that. But anyways, we'll get to that part in a minute. But in specific, Arcane Signet. Um, when the card first came out, I don't remember either. I mean, I'm not going to remember half of the things I said about it. But I, I want to think that I was probably on board with saying, oh, yeah, this is great. It fits in everything. Um, I wasn't really thinking about its ability to be in every deck, which is an obvious thing. But um, the thing that people complain about is, when you get an auto include in every deck, then is your card, is your stack of cards really 99 cards or is it 98 or is it 97? Yada, 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 right? But um, I don't know. I kind of look at that the same way that I do with lands, right? Like you kind of know, like when we we're building the decks, right? We kind of shared last week about how we build a commander deck and whatnot. And so uh, for me, after it's determined whether it's going to be a 36 or a 32 or a 40, whatever, that's also like taking away from the cards that you could put in your deck anyway. So for me, at I would say early on, that's where my head that where my head was at. Um, now I don't know. It's hard to say because I still enjoy Arcane Signet. I still like being able to ramp out, but I am starting to lead maybe more towards the middle and understanding that yeah, you know what. This one is just too ubiquitous for Commander. Like, every deck pretty much has to play this card. There's no downside to it. Um, I'm starting to come more to the middle, but at the end of the day, I think I still like Arcane Signet. Uh, what do you think? Do you think this is a mistake? Do you remember what you thought about it? I think the the big topic about why Arcane Signet was initially controversial is that it was originally printed in the Eldrain Brawl decks, which... Ha 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 ha! Brawl isn't that funny, but uh, and whenever it was, had that initial printing, it was like what, like a twelve to fifteen dollar card for this little mana rock that you'd you'd want to include in most of your EDH decks. But now it's been in every single uh, precon anything that has a anything to do with the commander. It's soaring, and yeah, it and soaring. So now it's like un, what under a dollar. It's like that. No, it's, it's actually it still. Actually, let's since you brought that up, let me just look real quick. Let's just. Well, let's can it has the common uh, rarity symbol on it, so it shouldn't be too much. And I don't think it's not a problem. It's it's just not a problem to me. Uh, but this might be a recurring thing. It's like 
because you know my opinion on like ban lists and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like people should be just be smart enough to be able to govern themselves. <laughs> and um, and as like, but I've, but then also like when I was listening to you talk, it seemed like your main opinion was a you don't like the idea. All right, of a, it is almost just strictly certain that you should put this card in your deck, reducing the sort of uh, creative thinking when it comes to building which like as you point out like last week it's like all right we made a cody deck that doesn't run any permanent spells mm-hmm. and so and we got around that we still have a sufficient sources of ramp but a lot of times i'll cut arcane my main thing is uh as i cut my own self off there mm-hmm. was uh, i remember Early on, after you started getting me to come out, and I was building monocolor non-green commander decks, and I was like, "Dang, I really gotta find more sources of two mana ramp." Because like, and then when I was like listening to people, they're like, "Yeah, you really want your ramp to be like two mana or less." And uh, and now like, I feel like we should just sort of start bringing it in now. Like the whole like the conversation over the past week was like amongst most multiple people is too many uh too many mana rocks some of which have more utility than others uh and i just remember thinking back to my like early stages building edh decks i was like i'm like that i don't think that's true i don't think there's just too many of those because at the end of the day they are they are ramp but it's not like three visits nature's lore rampant growth etc you put a land into play to ramp yourself. It's like it's an artifact that everyone's running artifact removal <laughs> or like on new inversion. If you're like, I lost my four mana rocks, whatever, and now I'm just well, the green player keeps their lands. However, that's just like what green's supposed to do, right? However, like you talk about, they allow you to play your deck. Like my Itali deck is running like 11 or 12 two mana mana rocks. Because the entire point of that deck is casting Itali, right? And so, it's, so it's I feel like it's similar to like for like the like monocolor or non-green EDH deck that the mana rocks allow you your deck to do it. It's supposed to do because decks have to ramp nowadays, and I feel like giving them the tools to do that is okay and should be okay. And Arcane Signet is the commander in front leading that charge. And so that's my stance on it. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about it in terms of like how people have argumented about Soul Ring, where <clears throat> if everyone has a Soul Ring in the deck, then why don't you just start with, you know, I don't know, like a, what is it in uh, Hearthstone? The, the, the what coin. do you have in the 98 instead of the 99? Well, no, like the coin, the coin, like the the one turn oh. ramp, whatever thing. Yeah, if you're, if you're not on, if you're uh, on the on draw. The draw mm-hmm. You get a added card to your hand called the coin, which is a lotus petal. Right, right. So, and or you know, or the games are like whoever draws the soul ring first wins, that kind of thing, which has turned out not to be true. I mean, the the whole argument, oh, my opponent has turn one soul ring, they're just leaps and bounds ahead of me. I mean, we've seen what commander people have just learned, right? People have learned, okay, when that happens, that person is in, on the microscope now, and 
um, their chances of winning actually, I feel like, diminish, or at least, at, at very least, they have a big bullseye in their head. So going back to the arcane signet argument, um, you know, like I said, I'm leaning more towards the middle, but it doesn't mean that I think it was a mistake. And I don't think, I, I still don't think ill of it for a lot of reasons you just said, because the non-green decks need that two-mana mana rock, right? Yes, there's, um, you know, the diamonds and there's the signets and there's the talismans and whatever. But at the end of the day, um, it benefits those decks. Now, there is an argument to be made that, you know, that's the point of green, right? Is you have the access to ramp and therefore, you know, you're ramping into big creatures. The problem is those green creatures have turned very powerful um, and the planeswalkers or whatever. They're so powerful that, okay, you actually do need an answer. You need to ramp it so that way you can stay with the game and have an answer. So there is an argument to that as well. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I'll just go ahead and put my little staple now. I don't think it was a mistake. I guess you're also on the same board or on, on board with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's, it was not a mistake. Since we alluded to it, I had another card. Let's just go and talk about the saturation of two mana rocks. Then, um, so you just—I'll let you lead off again and just restate what you just said about you don't think there's a lot of them. They let the non-green decks ramp, although I feel like it should also be stated that it's still in a way that's inferior inferior to the way green decks ramp because a lot of people are running cards that say like destroy all non-land permanents stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? Um, so I still think they're fine. They allow the those decks to do what they want to do and stay competitive in the individual games in that way. Right. So I think it's fine. And, it's, and I feel like we're at, honestly at a point now where it's like, if they print another one, then you you already have more than you need at this point. Mm-hmm. And so it's like if they print more, then it's like okay, whatever. The concern would be. Uh, as an example that we saw earlier is that like a card like liquid metal torque, which is a two mana mana arc that taps out a carless mana. We could also tap it to turn another uh, permanent into an artifact until end of turn. Non land permanent. Non land permanent. No, that's right. Because what's the card it was based liquid off? Liquid metal of? coating. Coating. Yeah. So turn a non land per- and so that synergizes what the uh, card that can destroy artifacts and enchantments. Mm-hmm. Um. So like if they. Do like a two mana mana rock that has like a very degenerate secondary ability, mm-hmm. uh, then I could see that being a problem possibly. Um, oh, I or, think- or it could be sweet. Who knows? Uh, but um, but at this point, it's like we have more than enough two mana mana rocks. But uh, I think that they lend more good to the format than bad. So I so mine split here, and for you know you brought up a great point about two mana mana rocks having uh, value on them, basically staple value. <clears throat> That's where I think it can get real sticky because yes, there is there. It's really fun to have the value and it adds other dimensions, but yeah, something like liquid metal torque. I don't think it was a mistake. I think that just needs to be under the microscope um, for sure when they're designing these cards because. It creating a colorless uh, mana um, and having the ability, I think, and obviously it not hitting uh, lands is a, a nice little safety valve on it. But you start adding colors, now it gets real dicey. Because the thing is, unless you're running an artifact deck or something that's like very non-pip heavy, um, 
it is kind of punishing to run. I mean, I don't have Soul Ring in every deck because it's kind of punishing to run, you know, colorless mana in there. Now, the argument is that it pays the tax for Commander and stuff like that. That's fine. But still, I I, I don't run them in all the decks. And whether that's correct or not doesn't really matter because for me, I just feel like, yeah, like my <laughs> non-pip Commander like Brea or Atraxa do not need... Uh, Atraxa, well, oh, sorry, Brea is different because it is an artifact, but if it wasn't an artifact-centered commander, obviously like Atraxa, then I don't need Soul Ring in there. Um, and so, as far as the mana rocks go, I'm, I'm, yeah, we talked about this too, and I said the same thing, that there's, if there are so many, then it doesn't matter anymore, because at this point, the only thing that's happening is the better two mana mana rocks are replacing each other. And again, if it's just about colors and not adding any extra value to them, then I think it's fine because you can't, I mean, you can run an entire deck with just two mana mana rocks if you want, I guess, but you want to play fun cards, right? And so I think that levels itself or self-corrects on its own there. Um, so no for both of us, I guess, on the two mana mana rocks. Yeah, and I'm actually like struggling to come up with like other, like two mana mana rocks that actually have Ability. like mind stone like when you mm-hmm. don't need mana anymore you can cycle it away like that's not that, that's just fine yeah that's I mean, fine it's fractured great. power stone it's fractured power stone a problem being able to roll the plane or die <laughs> once a turn cycle whenever you want is that a problem is guardian idol a problem I yeah mean, it comes in top you, you can two mana to make it a two two yeah and like like you just said the only downside is it enters tapped mm-hmm. is it a problem it's the worst i mean that's egregious no, like I said, the, like I said, I didn't say all of them were bad. I just you you got to be careful, right? Like when you start doing things like liquid metal torque, that is a little different. But again, I, I think liquid metal torque is fine. So, all right. Um, well, then let's go back to cards. Jessica's will. This one's interesting. Um, I've, as you've seen, I've played this card quite a bit. Um, I love Jessica's will. Uh, it is a very powerful card. I don't know if I had a major opinion on it in the beginning, because I just wasn't in tune with this card when it was announced, um, just didn't really dawn on me. I think, I think I remember in the back of my, my head, maybe not, not on air thinking that these commander cards that you have to have your commander out to get both abilities. I felt like, well, maybe they're not that great because, um, you have to have your commander out and most people are trying to kill them. But I think that is a subjective thing because, like I said, I feel like everyone's always targeting my commanders. <laughs> but, uh, you know, other people might not feel that way. Um, now looking at the card, is very powerful. And uh, even if people are targeting your commanders, it's very powerful. It's an instant speed. So, um, I don't know. I, don't, I, I still don't think this is a, a, an issue either because I... At the end of the day, I mean, it's a very powerful card. A lot. I mean, I'm a little biased because I run it in Prosper and <laughs> I love it in there. But no, I mean, yes, it can really ramp you and you get to essentially draw three cards, yada, yada, yada. But I don't know. It just, I've never felt it. Uh, if you loop it, that's fine. It's broken. But I think there's a lot of cards. If you loop a time warp, it's broken too, right? So it's ADH. Um, huh? It's EDH. Right, right. Now, the argument can be made that but Jesco's Will allows you to get to a point where you can loop it, whereas Time Warp, you need the other cards to loop it. 
Um, so that's that's a fair argument that someone can make. But I just think at the end of the day, it's in the decks that in the decks that don't want to be degenerate, they're not going to be degenerate. In the decks that want to be degenerate with it, they will be. So that's kind of where I'm at with that card. I mean, obviously, Jessica's Will is a very powerful card. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's my copy of it. It's currently in my Atali deck, mm-hmm. and I remember I had a game of EDH. I was, just, I was playing at Shaver and uh, other friend of the podcast James, and I went turn one Boots of Speed, turn two uh, Fire Diamond, turn three Jessica's Will makes six mana, cast Atali. Equip boots of speed, attack with a tolly on turn three. And uh my opponents both just said we're gonna concede. <laughs> I didn't even get to see what I was gonna flip. Because they just picked up their decks. I, like, I mean, oh, they I'm had cool. to get you back on the trolling somehow. So in my defense, we were playing some pretty powerful uh EDH. And that's that's basically the nut draw with the tolly anyway. Um other than like maybe like Sol Ring turn one, turn two, uh, Lightning Greaves to, or Swiftfoot Boots or whatever. But um, yeah, Jessica's Will. I mean, it's another card where I'm like, I haven't seen anyone play it not in a purposefully powerful deck. And in which case, that's where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, uh, that's why maybe I'm the wrong person to have this discussion with because I'm just like, I feel like people who make powerful decks put powerful cards in them and their entire point is be powerful or whatever. And powerful decks are meant to be played in the powerful games. Mm-hmm. And if you're upset because like, you brought like a weaker deck to that game, that's on you. Don't blame these cards or the format. It's like That just wasn't the game for whatever you wanted to do. And as, and if you have a and say like there's a play group where that was like your only option or whatever, then I'm like sometimes situations just suck. Yeah. But in but terms of like you... saying a card is a problem, mm-hmm. I'm like, nah. Everything needs to be taken in context. Well, this sounds and like I... this sounds like it'd be on gun control here, man. <laughs> we could get, we could we could apply this to a lot of things. But the the point that I want to make on that though is a lot less a lot different than gun control but communication right and again we we are totally in the camp um as is josh and and jimmy on command zone in the camp of it's about your play group and uh, communicating with them and so if there's if there's a style of deck that you don't like or styles of decks and you know this and that it's you know i totally agree it falls on you to communicate um your position and say, Hey, you know, maybe we could try a different deck or for you also to say, Oh, you know what? I need to, my play group really isn't going to change because this is like the set of guys and I'm the only one outside of this. So maybe I need to change with that. Right. So <clears throat> compromise where you can compromise and where you can't communicate about it. Right. So, um, sometimes communication isn't quite as explicit. Like, uh, throwback to a card you mentioned earlier. It's like, I made a turret grid deck. Mm-hmm. I played it for one game and then I took it apart because everyone kept killing my Turgrin. <laughs> and I was like, okay, people don't really want to play against this card. So I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. now we have a sweet Yog daddy deck. Yep. Yep. So I guess a uh, no for both of us, huh? Nah, that's good. Right. Card's awesome. Let me cast my Atali. Yeah, I know you're happy about it. 
All right. So uh, I don't even care about the exile three cards bit. I was like, this is a sweet ritual. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good ritual for you. It's basically seething song. <laughs> so it's pretty sweet. All right. Dockside extortionist. Now I know just before casts, I didn't, I didn't make us think about it, but I, I just thought about it for a second. So I have a little different take. Uh, so do you want to go first or do you want me to leave this? All right. So there's a, based on my, uh, observation of the twitter sphere and youtube the more famous personalities who play commander Mm -hmm. uh, there's a certain level of disdain for dockside extortionist Mm -hmm. so two mana goblin that makes a treasure for each uh enchantment artifact or opponent's control first off some people say since when does red care about enchantments Mm -hmm. but either way this is typically another source of just fast mana it comes down in turn two and it will typically make um, upwards of plus four or five. Sometimes it makes like an absolute silly amount of mana, like 12 to like 15, and possibly even more, mm-hmm. uh, which is just the return on value with uh, Dark Side Extortionist is almost always just pretty absurd. So the card is there's like a reason why positive. <laughs> It's like mega not just positive. positive. It's not like he's like I play my dark side storage and make three treasures. It's usually substantial. No, I was gonna say mega, mega net positive. positive. <laughs> yeah. It's like but, uh, it's like I gave you two dollars, uh, and in return you gave me like five hundred, like you know, yeah. um and I come down yet again, I don't want to be a broken record, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen Dark Side Extortion is played in a deck. That wasn't trying to do something degenerate. Yeah. Except for all right, we're, all right, since it keeps coming up, my dark side extortion, this isn't my Atali deck. <laughs> it's every, my Atali deck is just ramp, ways to give Atali haste. Right. And a few extra combat spells. Um and that's probably like the least degenerate uh deck I've seen a dark side extortionist in. It's usually it's a CEDH staple. Um, and, and, that, and so for that reason, <laughs> that reason, I feel like in the context and the decks that play this card, it is not a problem. So this is where this is where I'll actually I'm going to go a little different on this route. Um, so it's probably going to be hard to not contradict myself here. So we'll do the best to do that. I'll call you on it. Good, good. And I, I count on no one else but you to do this. Um, so for the reasons I laid about, like, Jewel Lotus, you know, and, and Arcane Signet, like, you can run them in every deck, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dockside Extortionist, I feel like, for CDH, because I'm trying to get a little more into it, and I would need to bring, we need to bring in Jason and his thoughts, because I just feel like he has a very good understanding of CDH. For CDH, I actually feel like the card really warps the format. Um so not commander because commander in itself, again, this is about a play group where CDH really actually is a format for competitive play, hence C in there. Right. And so because of that, I actually feel like this card is a mistake because it's warped that format to now granted Jason has told me this, and this is again, where it feels a little more like commander and still is commander. You can actually bring in any deck 
uh, to a CDH deck, and you could, and you have a chance of winning as long as it has some way of being somewhat powerful. And, and it can be powerful in the sense that it can go really fast, so like your Morrowind deck, or it can be a control deck, or it can be just a creature-based deck that your other opponents can't handle. Um, he's told me about some strategies where someone brought just like a commander deck and because the other decks were fighting each other with counter spells and stuff like that, whatever, they just couldn't deal with him at the end. And he just beat him down with regular creatures. I don't know what it was exactly, but you know, just some, just some generic creature based commander deck and just came in there and won because it just had like, I mean, he, he, he slot, he, he made the deck or the person made the deck a little slanted towards CDH, like probably some uncounterable creatures. I think they, uh, he said that they had um, the troll from uh, Scars of Mirrodin, where it's like uncounterable and can't be targeted or whatever. Um, but either way, you just don't think of that as a CDH thing. So there's an argument there, but yeah, I think Dark Side Sorceress might actually be a mistake just because I just feel like overall it's the reason. Like you play red, you have to play red, and you have to have Dark Side in there. And, and so it just makes it a little too, you know all the decks look generally the same. So, and for the sake of not being a broken record here, uh, I also wanted to have something that was a mistake. So, uh, another example, I remember you we were playing a game with friend of the podcast, Jonesy. Uh, and I, I was playing my Marwin deck. You were playing your, uh, Alesha. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you and I were just going, you kept countering, Cause I was trying to pop off with Marwa and you kept countering what I was doing. Eventually Jonesy's like, ha ha war storm, uh, parallel lies, war storm surge, Omnath land. Choo choo. You're all dead. Yep. Um, so like, it's like, like his Omnath is not like CDH, but it's a powerful deck. And because like you and I were just like, that's also like, I made Marwin because it's like, I wanted a deck I could play at that kind of table. And Marwin's relatively cheap. Right. In that regard. But, I, I'd get the argument for like saying it was a problem for like CDH and that it wanted you to play red. However, don't everyone want really, really want to play blue for access to like all the free counter spells and protection, etc. Yeah. But I feel like that's kind of like, it's kind of like in legacy, the same thing, right? Like it's kind of because of force of will, unless you ban force of will, that's generally what's going to be geared towards anyway. It, again, that's where it's hard to say this is not a contradiction, but that was, pre-established i feel like in a, in a sense like the the existence of force of will in any eternal format is just kind of pre-established that you would probably want to be more slanted towards blue or at very least you would think about running blue as you know like your competitive thing competitive color you know regardless if you end up in it or not as irrelevant but you kind of think about it that way so that's for me understandable whereas dock side is like this takes blue but it also makes red really powerful because other card it combos really well with is um not directly but underworld breach right um mm -hmm. where you're running these like uh untap all your stuff with isochron scepter because such and such is imprinted on it and just you know go infinite whatever blah blah blah, blah. i just feel like for me and at the end it really might not be that big of a deal especially for someone who's more immersed like jason um but i just got my thought on it I was just about to ask you, is there any other I for I had forgotten about Underworld Breach? I was like, is there any other reason to play red? Yeah, Jessica's Well, Underworld, Underworld Breach. <laughs> what was the first one you said? Oh, uh, Jessica's Well. That's right, Jessica's Well too. Yeah. 
So, boom. What we're actually seeing is uh, Wizards is really uh, strengthening the representation of red in mm-hmm. uh, CEDH, which makes it uh, not a mistake. <laughs> boom. Not yet. Came full circle. We were back now to being a broken record. Uh, so you got no for not uh, mistaken. I have a yes. Um, all right. Well, here's a, here's a one that I think both you and I, I don't I don't remember wholly, but I'm pretty sure both of you and I were on the same spot here and also called this opposition agent. I think we both were on the we don't care because we don't run as many tutors and we don't think it's that big a mistake. And lo and behold, um, just to save us some time here. Yeah, it's still not a mistake. Again, we don't run heavy. We don't run heavy tutors, and even if we did, um, if this card, it, yes, it's it sucks that when you get got, and that's really the feel bad of this card is like, oh, I got got on the thing that I wanted to tutor for, and now my opponent gets to take it. Yada yada yada. But people focus on this card so hard. Um, it's a little bit different than Hull Breacher, but we're both going to go ahead and, and say that we also think the Hull Breacher ban was bad, blah, 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 blah. But that was different because that card was like, I got to draw a bunch of cards and you get nothing. You be proactive. It was saying. It's a lot easier for you to proactive. be proactive and take advantage of Hull Breacher. Correct. Opposition agent is pretty much strictly reactive. I mean, you can stick it if you want to be mana efficient and stick them on the field and and do that. That's fine, I guess. But it's pretty much a reactive card. And so for that reason, um, it's not a mistake to me. Yeah, it's not a problem. I remember, I don't think I've ever actually seen someone get someone with uh, Opposition Agent. I had it in my hand. I think it was that same session earlier with Shaver and James. I was playing my Yawgmoth deck. And I saw like Shaver Resolve uh what's it like uh sky shrub claim mm-hmm. whatever and i had opposition agent in my hand and i was like i knew it. i'm just gonna cut this card i'm not even gonna cast it in this situation or i could get him i was like because i was like because my at the end of the day i'm treating the commander as like I, I want everyone to have fun i want to win but i don't want everyone else to have fun too I want everyone else to have fun watching me win. Yeah, I was gonna say that's really and, what um, you want. <laughs> and uh opposition agent doesn't really lend itself to it's kind of that. funny. I never I I have a I have a story with Schaefer too that I actually never told him, but he it was the same thing because he was the one that was like, This car's busted, yeah, 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 whatever. And uh we went and did a um I played some commander with him and a and a couple of the friends of at his apartment, and um we had some great games. And there was a sequence where he uh, plays Vampiric Tutor, and I have Opposition Agent, and I don't play it because I was like, he's going to win this turn, and if I play this card, he's just I'm never going to hear the end of how you know broken this card is, and it should be banned, all that. So I was like, you know what? You can have the win, bud. <laughs> and I never told him that. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's fine. Like, I took, I would have stolen his win, but I wouldn't have won off of it. I just would have stolen his Thunder, right? So... If, if I'd ever run it, it would be in a. Uh, if I was making some sort of like Orzov Death and Taxes style list, mm-hmm. in which I would just run it as like a second copy as Aven Mind Sensor, like mm-hmm. I would just probably just play it out and just like, all right, haha, y'all can't tutor anymore. Right. And so it's like, it would be more of that kind of thing. Right. All right. We've got two more. Um, these are, well, one's a group, so I'll go with the group cards first. We got the free spells, and the free spells we're talking about are the fierces. So, fierce guardianship. Uh, well, I guess I said fierces, but fierce <laughs> yeah, guardianship. Yeah, deadly rollick. Um, the green one that I specced on and it hasn't saw, hasn't got played Wrong. yet. Huh? 
the fog yeah the fog. Fog. um so anyways uh the free spells um I th- again i think in the beginning like i said i'm usually pretty open-minded i don't like to make like a big pro- proclamation anymore so i think i was on the um which you can probably argue that well you being so passive is a big proclamation but whatever um I don't think I was upset about these cards. Um, where I'm at now with them. Hmm. That is a tough one. I actually really like the free spells, <laughs> but uh, let me hear your thoughts. Cause I, I'm kind of undecided right now. I despise fierce guardianship. That's I'll, I'll surprise. be, yeah, I'll, well, mainly just cause you know me and I hate blue. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, let me have my fun. You meany bully person. I'm, I'm not talking about you, Jason. I'm talking about someone else. Um, the artful maneuver and white is that what it's called? Isn't that what it's called? Yeah, something like that. Uh, it's cool. I think I saw Jason run it once. I know it didn't tilt me or anything. It's like it's just a useful tool for white decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the red, what's the red one? It's like bolt bend, but it's. Oh, no, you're talking about Deflecting Swat. Deflecting Swat, yeah. Uh, Card's funny. Just because you're like, all right, I'm changing the target or whatever. Right. But it doesn't... I don't think that card's a feel bad at all. Um, And then green, which is a free fog. Hmm. In which case, haha, good one, Watsy. It's, it's like, a fog on your opponent's side. I would just like to point that out. Like it, it, it's a one-sided fog, right? Which I really like about that card. It's still, I still want it to work, but damage. And we're moving so far away from damage being a factor for a lot of decks. And How it's, expensive is that card? It's not like a, it might not even be a buck anymore, honestly. Uh, but either way, oh, what, what happened? All right. Uh, either way, that's not a feel bad either. Uh, however. Uh, fierce guardianship is a feel bad. It's like you feel good. Your opponents tap down. You're gonna do something cool, which is the entire point of EDH, and then, boom, fierce guardianship comes through and just ruins your entire day. And, but then, uh, now I'm starting to think about. Is it the con? Are we talking about like the concept? Well, that's what I was going to say. So, as the concept of the free spells, and, and we have to keep it in context because I don't think they're going to make another set of these. So, just the set of free spells that we got, the concept of it being a free spell, and overall the cards and their effect wasn't a mistake. I know that's convoluted, uh, but or nuance, I should. I say. don't think. I mean, it's loaded. Is lotus petal bad uh, mistake yeah. but um well we're talking about for the past two years too like they, they they've known those cards i know right? but if so. we're gonna say that the, the concept of like these free spells like do we go retroactively like to the, like the packs the packs because it, like packed negation oh, gotcha. summer packed slaughter packed no, because like again, they, they they've had those cards. So now like this isn't I guess maybe to restate it, this is the year, you know, we just went through the year commander last year, whatever they want to call this year. year. Before. Huh? <laughs> the year before. Was it well it's just right, because we're in sorry, whatever. In twenty twenty the year commander, right? And so mm-hmm. and then whatever they want to call the year twenty twenty one, they knew about 
the packs and and all this stuff, right? And so they yet they still made these cards anyway. So my question is, making them, I mean, was it a mistake? Like they knew what what free spells do. They knew what, what Lotus Petal does. They knew what Pact of Negation does. You know, because it could have made Fierce Guardianship say you lose a game unless you pay one mana. Like they could have cheapened it somehow, but, but you could still have a lose clause. So. <clears throat> Uh, since since I since I brought up, I'll, I'll just talk through this part and to say, thinking about it now, after all that said and done, I think it was a mistake. But I don't hate the cards, though. I just think at the end of the day, they know what happens. It's kind of like when they make an artifact, right? Like every artifact they ha- they ever make. That's why they're so. I think they're so underpowered now, for the most part. Or if they're powerful, then they're really expensive because at the end of the day, every artifact can be just like that. You know oh gosh, this is the next thing for affinity and modern or, or whatever it just has the potential to be so powerful. And so because of that, I think the free spells were a mistake. I just don't hate them and I'm okay with them existing. I'm the opposite. I don't think the concept of a free spell is a mistake. Okay. Like the packs have the obvious drawback. The new ones have, um, like, are you have to have your commander out? Mm-hmm. Which obviously, if you have like a cheap commander, or like most of them tie to like being able to like protect your commander, except for like Deadly Rollick. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is kind of interesting. I don't, have, I don't have an issue with the concept, like, because like Fierce Guardianship, like if you're running Fierce Guardianship and you're like Ur Dragon deck, mm-hmm. it's like it's an added bonus to your, um, is it 10 mana commander? Yeah, or 10 or 9. But, like, I'm gonna be honest. The only person like in game that I've actually played against Fierce Guardianship is Jason and, and his two mana commander Yuriko, right? Um, which is always just two mana, right? Uh, and in that context, it just doesn't feel very good. The mm-hmm. barrier to being able to play it is very, very, very low, and um, and so that's why I I don't. I'm not going to be able to say that I think the concept of free spell is bad. However, the deployment of some of these cards, I don't like, Mm -hmm. but then also that's, I will fully admit that's just because of my personal preference and how I like to play the game. Sure. Fair enough. All right. Well then the last one um, that was brought up was treasures. Um, I think we all know how huge of a fan I was with treasures uh, and still am, Um, you know, with AFR brought a lot of, a lot more treasure production in particular prosper and how he works with treasures. Um, And if you look at Strixhaven, we have one of my favorite cards come out of that set, which was the Stormkin artisan. I believe it's Stormkin artist. Um, so that being able to make uh, treasures off of the what is it spell mastery trigger um, yeah instant sorceries mm-hmm. or the copies or copies yeah so I love I love the treasures but the argument against it is it's a very it, it stocks your mana it fixes your mana it's an artifact sacrifice I mean it, it does it, it has a lot a lot of synergies more than than sometimes people realize um, <clears throat> so I guess it comes down to looking at it the cards that they've made currently I don't think it's a mistake is there a potential for it there is because the more treasures you make that more cards that make treasures especially if they're cheap efficient things then 
um, it can be a mistake, but I think as of right now, I don't think treasures is a concept um, or as, or, or the execution they've done on it is a mistake. I just haven't seen anything busted. Uh, I've seen some powerful things in standard. I've seen some definitely some powerful things in commander. Um, but I always kind of look at modern as my, the, the flagship of the powerful things people want to do. And currently the only way you're getting treasures is through Ragavan. Now, Ragavan is a different argument because Ragavan and its entire abilities and all that, it's a very powerful card. And the treasure, yes, it allows it, you know, it's, it's the, you know, the treasure on there allows you to cast the card that you exile. But I just think the design of Ragavan makes the treasure so abused, not the treasure. Um, and so that's why I think for me, the treasures aren't that big of an issue because outside of Ragavan, um, nothing else is doing that. I mean, we got the, the new, uh, Elvish tracker or whatever it is that when it landfalls, you make a, a food or a treasure, I believe. Oh uh, yeah. Tireless provisioner, tireless provisioner. I mean, that's a modern card, arguably extremely powerful. And I'm not seeing it run in modern. I'm not seeing it do devastating things like that. Um, so again, that's a, that might be a wrong way of having a meter, but that's, you know, that's like my checkpoint, right? That's like the first flag for me and I'll look at other things, but that one usually is a huge indicator and I'm just not seeing it there. Um, so I don't think they're a mistake. Well, I think the problem is like most people are having is that there's just so many cards now that make treasures. Mm-hmm. I mean, like probably the most famous one is smothering tithe. Yeah. That's commander staple. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, well, that and dock side, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Then also, I feel like you could also just conflate like curse of opulence, one man enchantment that can make you lots of gold, which are basically just better treasures because you don't have to tap them. Mm-hmm. Like, if what's the what's the white stacksy card that makes artifacts enter tap blind obedience? Yeah, yeah. So like that makes your treasures slightly worse, but uh. And there's just like a lot of cards that make treasures now. Like, but then like some of them are like, have you ever even seen monologue tax been played in a no, game of commander? Never seen it played. And yep. And it's like, still, it's like what? $10 card still. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it played. Uh, but um, like some people were up in arms about, Oh great. Another smothering tide. Like, yeah, that card's not smothering tide. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's a problem. It, I could see some people saying it's a, uh, I don't, I don't like a lazy fallback sort of go-to thing for Watsy when it comes to card design, like or staple treasure onto it in some way. But I don't, I would, I would never call it like a mistake. Like the most broke, like the most broken card that makes treasures is Dockside Extortionist, and I don't, I didn't think that one's a mistake. Right. Like I, said, I think the design on that one, I don't think it's the treasures. I think it's the, the design of that thing is, is pretty insane. All right. Well, so uh, honestly, not to my surprise, and I'm sure anybody who listens to this podcast, Micah was uh, in the camp of not a mistake on all the cards. Um, <laughs> so I could have called that if I was a betting man and we had some money on this, uh, I would have put some money on it for sure. Uh, and as for me, I only thought that Dockside Extortionist and the free spells as a concept were an issue, so uh, or a mistake. <clears throat> so, 
Um, anything else you want to add in there, Mr. Micah? I thought we were going to talk about Tori and Mahler. That oh, that's right. That mistake. is a huge mistake. It gets a counter every time your opponent casts a spell. And it has Changeling, and it's three mana. That's pretty powerful. Uh, I think that card actually is underused, but there's not a lot of uh, tribal red that I can think of other than like goblins. Um, I was going to pick one up whenever I was going to make my uh, Atla Polani deck mm-hmm. because it's also an egg. It's also an egg. It is an egg. Uh, yep. Then I was like, now nah, we're going to go Prismatic Bridge. I'm glad I own a Torian Mahler now. I feel like I'm a proper magic player. <laughs> well, that's the main topic for today. Um, I'll be honest with you, Micah, I do have to get so maybe we can brew the deck on stream and then show it. Um, I'm going to jump in here real quick to my few calls for this week for cards to uh, watch here. And um, at three this week, I have Sublime Epiphany uh, at $8 uh, for the EA foil version. This card is a 4% of all blue decks, and there's only 36 near mint listing copies right now. It's a very powerful card for Commander. Um, I actually think 4% is a little low for this card, and I think over time, um, again, seeing cards like we've seen in the Arena Cube with, um, I'm going to forget it now, but the 7-drop 5-5. Scholar the Lastro? That guy, and of course, Torrential Gear Hulk. Both of those. No, well, no, Scholar the Lastro is correct, though. I was thinking, that's the one I can't remember. Um, yeah, both of those will use that card very nicely. Uh, maybe uh, Torrential Hulk is just a little bit better because it's an instant speed counter. But um, regardless, card's amazing. Um, I'm calling this a year plus because, again, um, so I can help my uh, listings look a little better for next year's review. <laughs> but also because it might take a little time for people to realize, even though it's drained really hard, like how amazing this card is. Next card, Elvish Reclaimer. I'm kind of surprised I haven't called this card before. Um but, uh, you know, quick picks, they're quick picks. So sometimes they go under the radar, right? Um, this one's $6. This is a regular version. Um, it is in 3% of all green decks, which is less, but I think there's more green decks being played. Um, 44 near mint listings. The little red flag I want to point out here is it could see a secret layer drop or just be pushed into something else. But I mean, we don't really see crop rotation put in, uh, many things. So, uh, Elvis Reclaimer might just keep dodging a bullet here. Calling it to go to $10 in a year um, with only, like I said, only 44 near mint listings. Um, the last card uh, is a little bit pricier. I Looking at the secret layer version and the foil version of Carpet of Flowers. Uh, currently, it is $45 and there are only 43 listings left on TCG. <clears throat> ah, keep doing that. Whoops. Um, now, here's the thing. I think the drop is slowly getting released, so it's not out and about yet. Um, or let's put it this way. All the copies haven't hit the market yet. But this is the only foil copying ever of Carpet of Flowers. And so I think that's going to be highly sought after. Um, and I just think that, you know, again, it'll just have a high demand. And eventually it'll really have a low supply because it's one of those cards that people play with a lot and keep in their collection. Um, so for that reason, uh, calling 45 to 60 in a year, um, with this little asterisk that it could get down to $35, uh, as low as $35 because, um, we haven't really hit all the supply yet. Um, 
but that is it for my quick picks this week. As always, um, we encourage you to go visit your local LGSs and come visit ours, like Junior's Comics, Force of Will, and Alpha Strike Gaming. We'd love to see you there. I think it might be this Friday before I fly out because I think we're going to do double feature. Uh, I'm not too sure, but you can call the store and find out for sure. Or email us at, uh, what is it, untappedmailbag at gmail.com. Is that correct, Micah? Um, give us a shout out there. But anyways, uh, Micah, take us home. I already did a little snippet of it. <laughs> well, all right. That will do it for this, the season premiere of the MTG Untapped podcast what did you think about what we talked about today what did you think about all these cards do you think they are mistakes do you think they're okay let us know on twitter at mtg untapped pad mtg untapped pod or on facebook at mtg untapped podcast if you have any other ideas for stuff you would like us to talk about shoot us an email untapped mailbag at gmail.com also if you would like to sponsor the podcast uh shoot us an email untapped mailbag at gmail.com thank you uh and if you'd please stop whatever you're doing and subscribe to the podcast and rate and review it. I don't know why I'm struggling to come up with the words, but yeah, uh, follow the podcast. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm falling apart here. Cause uh, I gotta wrap this up. Uh, follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash the Micah 21. Follow Costa at King Kodo 77 on anything you can find him at. Uh, I have been the Micah. He has been your friend and mine, Costa. This has been episode 53 of the MTG Untapped podcast. This has been the best outro in the history of all podcasts. Or it's been incredibly mediocre, one of the two. Uh, All right. We will catch y'all next week. Later.